Welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. If you're enjoying the podcast and you can take a minute to rate or review it on iTunes, we really appreciate it. It helps us find new listeners. This week, we have a special treat for you. We do, and it's really exciting. We have Palma Lindsay from K Fundamentals. You're in for a treat. Palma is a kindergarten teacher who has stayed on the cutting edge of educational research and technology throughout her 37-year classroom career. She has taught grades K through 8, served as a mentor to new teachers, and shares her fun ideas in her innovative blog, K Fundamentals. Her sessions and blog are jam-packed with new and fresh ways to keep the fun in the fundamentals. Thank you, Palma, for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super excited to do this. Palma is joining us today via Skype, and she's going to talk about her weekly guided reading schedule. Right, right. I wrote a blog post um, about it on April 30th, 2016, and um, it's brief, but it's simple and basic. And basically, my five-day plan involved um, different small group lessons each day that were delivered to homogeneous uh, groups so that I could target the specific skills that each small group needed um, and differentiate my teaching that way. Um, I always started out with pre-testing and I pre-tested just the most um, important skills. For instance, in kindergarten it would have just been like letter names, sounds, sight words. Um, first grade would have had then more important sight words um, and maybe more pre-reading skills. Um, and in preschool, I would have just assessed basically can they recognize any letters or sounds. Um, and then basically the, the lessons revolved around a five-day week. So each Monday, I would meet with a small group on alphabet work, and I can explain more about that later. Mm -hmm. And Tuesday, we, we worked on sight words. In preschool, a sight word might just be their name, yeah. right? Right. And um, Wednesday, um, we talked about different reading strategies. Thursday was comprehension, and Friday, we always ended with some kind of related writing. Okay. So I was going to just talk a little bit more about each of those different components today. Um, and um, I would meet also um, with each group, might be uh, doing comprehension on one day, but I would be teaching it differently depending on that group. Mm -hmm. How did you set up your guided reading? What, what did, how did you set up the classroom to, so that you would have time for the small group work? What, what was your... What was your uh, classroom management like during that? Um, great question. Um, I always started my day out with a whole group lesson. And within the first 30 minutes, you know, you took care of a few um, business-related things like attendance and lunch count and things like that. But then I would always uh, relate some kind of literature to what we were doing, so maybe read a story to the class and then talk about what we're going to be doing at our tables during our independent time. So that would be something that could be done independently, did not need a teacher to be right there to help them. So I would show them how to do their independent work. And then I set up my classroom so that there were always more centers than there were children. And by centers, I mean independent activities that you could go to mm -hmm. once you finished your independent seat work. 
Um, so if you were a student in my class, and we would have about an hour and 15 minutes um, after the whole group lesson, you would walk to your table and start your independent work, which should take an average child about 20 minutes to do. Mm -hmm. Of course, some children are going to speed through it, and other children are going to take the whole hour. (laughs) And um, But if you finished... Um, you could either hold your work up so as you pass by my my uh, teaching table, um, just so I could glance at it, mm-hmm. and I'd give you a thumbs up and a smile, and that meant you know go and pick any center you wanted to, um, and. Or if I was fortunate enough that day to have a parent volunteer, then the parent would just spot check, make sure your name is on it, make sure it looked somewhat complete and if anything you know glared at them that they can sit down and work with you um, and take advantage of that teachable moment mm-hmm. um, but mostly the children didn't interrupt me mm-hmm. while I was at my reading table teaching lessons and then so you're at your table you're doing your independent work and I might call you up for a short 15 minute lesson with me mm-hmm. and I would be co- calling you up in homogeneous groups Mm-hmm. And then when I let you go, you could go back and finish your independent work. But if it was all done, you're, you go to any center in the classroom. All of the centers were educational. All of the centers developed oral language. It could be anything from a home center to painting to writing. Um, there was a post office. Mm-hmm. Um, I even had a, an electronic keyboard with a headset. You can compose music. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if That's I had fun. 32 students, I had about 40 centers. Um, okay. When I had 24 students, I had about 30 centers. Okay. And was it a free choice or was there a way you made sure it was free choice? Okay. It was, you know, um, I taught for 37 years and the, probably the first 30, I micromanaged it. And I, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you had to be, you haven't been to the science center, you need to do that. And then I finally realized they need to be choosing what mm-hmm. they're doing. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, are, they need to be choosing what they're interested in. Now, I did always schedule myself about 10 to 20 minutes a day when I was not teaching and during that period of time I would walk around and I could do a variety of things I could do RTI or enrichment with you know two or three children um, or I might go up to a center where a child perhaps has visited every day that week maybe that child painted every single day that week and I might go over to that child talk to them about their painting and then say you know that you're painting trees and leaves and that reminds me of what we have at the science center do you want to come over and take a look at that with me and try to encourage them to try something else but I I didn't push mm-hmm. and then they would be so excited about the science center and you know they would tell me about all of the things that they learned at the science center that day because they tried something new mm-hmm. so yes it was free choice yeah <laughs> but I did you know if I saw an uh an area of need, I would go and um, intervene okay. a little bit. Okay. And mm-hmm. did you find that you were able to get to every child in in one day, or did you rotate? 
through yeah, the week. I tried to get to every child in one day, and if I didn't, then I would try to pick them up maybe later in the day. If mm-hmm. I if I one group went longer, mm-hmm. or if I we had a fire drill in the middle of it all. <laughs> I know, right? And you, you have to be super flexible. Also, I always started with my lowest group. So if by chance I didn't get to every group every single day, it was my top group that maybe I didn't meet with. Um, but that's a group that I could easily pull later on in the day because they're probably going to finish their math early or mm-hmm. something else that we're doing early. So that allowed me to meet with that group. But I did try um, every day to meet with every child. And it was usually, you said, an, an hour and 15 minutes? was the Yeah, in the hour and 15 minutes, I would meet with maybe four 15-minute groups and then have uh, 15 minutes where I would go around and rotate and uh, do RTI, maybe a little bit of enrichment, or just sit in maybe at the block center and talk to them about what they were building. Mm-hmm. It really helped me to get to know the children also. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's so important if you're constantly just having that um, conversation with children where you're the teacher and they are the student, that and you never really sit down and say, gee, you know, tell me about this, then you really don't get to know your students very well. Yeah, that I, I like that you had that extra time just to talk. I think it really was a gift to me too. Um, because I loved it. I loved, uh-huh. you know, getting to talk to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, so on Mondays, Monday was your alphabet day, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you like to know some of the things that we yeah. did then on Mondays? Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, well, when they would come and meet with me in a small group, I would first decide which level that group was. So let's say we were talking about a particular letter that day, maybe the letter B, for instance. My lowest group might just be looking at the letter B, tracing the sandpaper B, um, writing it in the air, talking about the initial sound of B, brainstorming words that begin with B. Um, I might have a page of pictures that um, began with all different different letters, but maybe half of them began with B. Mm-hmm. And I would ask the children to place um, perhaps a unifix cube on each picture that they heard the B sound at mm. the beginning of. Um, that allowed me to use that page for years and years in a non-consumable way. Mm-hmm. And also it gave them an opportunity to be doing something with their hands by putting these cubes on the pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you finished early in my small group, um, you could be counting the cubes as you put them back together. Um, if you're still done early and the other ones that still haven't finished, I might ask you to break the cube stack in half or wherever and hide some behind your back and see if I can guess how many are behind your back based on the, you know, missing mm-hmm. add-in basically mm-hmm. based on the ones that were still showing. So we did lots of things like that. Um, I also had little alphabet formation uh, pages that uh, were laminated. It was cardstock and laminated so they could trace letters uh, with a dry erase marker and then that was Mm -hmm. non-consumable. Or maybe pin cards where they would take the uh, dotted letters that were printed on cardstock and they would place them on the carpet and with a push pin Mm -hmm. they would push 
into all of the dots. Um, and then we would put them up on the window and let the letters shine through. Uh, lots of fun things like that. But then if you were in my higher group, maybe you already knew the letter, what it looked like, what it sound, the sound it made. So maybe we might talk more about um, creating um, alliteration sentences with the letter B. Mm-hmm. You know, Betty bounced the beach ball at the beach <laughs> uh-huh. or something like that. Or we might uh, even start some writing, even though I focused more on writing on Friday, we might try to compose a sentence and actually write it if that's what that group was ready for. Um, so lots and lots of stuff for um, uh, alphabet work. Uh, one of um, the f- things I like to do, I call them dictionary pages, but it's really not a dictionary. Um, and I created a template for it. It's three rectangles on a page and a couple of lines at the bottom, which gave you an opportunity to practice writing the letter. But then the children got to illustrate three things that began with that letter. Mm. So I would have lots of picture cards of things that begin with B, and they can pick whichever three they wanted. But then we would discuss while they're illustrating, oh, you know, Johnny picked the beach ball to illustrate, but Susie picked the, I don't know, the Barbie, let's Uh say. And we would talk about, wow, but that still begins with B, very different things, but they both begin with B, because I wanted to start that phonemic awareness and getting them to hear the sound um, and the parts and the syllables and all of those kinds of good things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did those that on Monday, a lot of that um, talked about letter formation with wiki sticks, um, onset rhymes, you know, hat, cat, bat, changing the initial sound to go with the rest of the, the word, the, the uh, sounds. And basically, you know, if you just do a little bit of that for 15 minutes every every Monday, um, then that's your alpha work right there. Yeah. And I wouldn't do all of those things at, at one sitting, right. but I could get maybe three of them done, you know, mm-hmm. easily. Um, or I could send them to the carpet to do the push pin activity while I'm already starting to meet with the next group. And then all they had to do was when they were done is give me the pin back. <laughs> you don't want those out there. <laughs> right. That could get scary. Right. Which, by the way, just for management, um, each little seat at my guided reading table had a different placemat, uh, which was just laminated construction paper. Um, on the laminated construction paper, I attached uh, lined dry erase contact paper so that we could write on it and I can write sample letters, words, whatever, and then we could use it over and over. But because it was color-coded, each piece of construction paper was a different color, I color-coded everything for that particular student that was sitting at each each uh, placemat. Yeah. So when I gave them the pins, they were color-coded. So I knew, okay, I need the red pin back. I didn't get the red pin back. I knew who had it then. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking at pictures of everything you're talking about on your blog, and it's nice that you've got everything there if people want to see it. Right, on the blog post from uh, April 30th, mm-hmm. it's, there's a lot there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So would you like me to tell you about sight words yes, on Tuesdays? Yes, um, Well, one of my favorite things to do with sight words was use Heidi's songs, and she's a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Her website is HeidiSongs.com. And I would teach my children the sight words um, based on her songs. 
I would make signs um, with these words on them. So perhaps one sign might say like, and on the back, I would put the words to the song, which was great for a substitute also. Um, but if we were walking to the library or anywhere at all, um, I could hold up a sign and we would all be singing this song. So that was that was always fun. So we might start the small group lesson by singing the song. Maybe we're working on the word like. Um, maybe I would say, oh, wow, today for your 15 minutes with me and we're doing sight words, we might get to do some watercolor painting. And what I would do is I would prepare um, a page for them where I would write the sight words using uh, a white crayon. I would uh, write a variety of sight words on the page with a white crayon. They didn't see the words and they would start painting um, and the, it might be like a picture with lots of circles that they got to paint all the different circles different colors but as they painted each circle their sight words would appear and the wonder on their faces and then they would be reading them all and, and and what's great about that is you could even differentiate that per child mm -hmm. and just put the words they needed to learn mm -hmm. um, another thing I might do is we might make a pocket locket and I, I created those it's either um, a pocket watch or a locket and I brought real pocket watches in for them to see what they were and mm -hmm. how people used to wear them and what a locket is and how you can open it and these depending on how you fold it um, if the clock is on the front it's a locket that opens up and inside you place the letters to spell the sight word mm -hmm. if it's a, a pocket watch the watch is inside and the sight word is on the front and what they get to do is cut out the letters for the sight word and glue them on. Um, but because some letters are tall and some hang down below the line, they get to place them. If, if they're working right in front of you, you can you know make sure they're doing it right. So let's say they're gluing on the letters for the word play. They would have the P and the Y hang down lower mm -hmm. and the L be nice and tall and the A right in the middle. Um, and then they get to wear it home. They attach a piece of yarn and they can tuck it in their pocket. They like to have the yarn hang out to look like a chain <laughs> or they wear it around their necks. Um, the first few that we did, um, the girls always want the locket. The boys always wanted the pocket watch. And then they started realizing, hey, this would be fun to have a locket. Even, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm a boy or a girl and it <laughs> would be fun to have a pocket watch. And so they do... Um, get switch around and we did a pocket locket once a week so, you can do that at first in your guided reading lesson and then it can become later on it can become an independent activity they would do because they're used to it then mm -hmm. you know they could do it at their seat mm -hmm. um, another thing we might do is the cheer where let's say it's the word like I had like little plastic megaphones and one person would come up and they'd say give me an L and everyone would, in the group would say L, you know, give me an I, and everyone would say I, give me a K, give me an E, and what's that spell? And everyone would share like, and then we would you know, have another child come up for another sight word. So we might not just work on one sight word, it might be a variety, or it might be one, you know, one word very thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that pretty much Tuesdays were sight words, we're just sight lots words. of different activities, you know. All according words. to what you'd assessed. Pre it, yes. Mm -hmm. And I pre-assessed and post-assessed um, 
I used to use just a checklist and flashcards and show them the different letters and sounds and ask them the sounds and to ask them the sight words and then keep a record. But I started using ESGI um, about eight years ago, and that, that website is esgisoftware.com. Um, they, they have built-in tests, or you can create your own. I preferred creating my own because I wanted the letters to be listed in the order I taught them. Mm. And I also color-coded them so that when I made my test, um, my letters were, um, the red letters were the first grading period and the blue letters were the second grading period and the yellow letters were the third grading period. So I knew on the computer when the letters came up, if, if it's May and a red letter is still coming up, I'm like, whoa, that's a red flag, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. That's a handy But trick. what the best part about ESGI um, is that the data it gives you. Uh, it gives you bar graphs. It tells you every single letter, who knows it and who doesn't know it. You can click on the bar graph, and it gives you a list of the specific children who still don't know that letter name or the sound or the uh, sight word for, you know, or can whatever the test is was it printing letter formation um they, there's math there's it's everything um i can't tell you enough about it because i just love it so much um they do give you a 60 day free trial which is wonderful um so you can try it out you don't have to put in a credit card it's a wonderful company they're not going to try to trick you into uh subscribing to something you don't want um, and normally it's one ninety nine a year. Um, you can get it for one fifty nine for your first year uh, if you use a promotional code. Uh, my promotional code is um, KFUN. K F U N. Uh, doesn't matter if it's all capitals or not, and it's short for K Fundamentals, which is what my blog and everything. Um, but that would give you forty dollars off your first year, and um, I paid for it myself the first year I used it because I just knew that this was going to be the best thing since sliced bread and my principal saw the data and she paid for it for the team the second year and she brought it to the district and the third year they got it for all the kindergarten teachers in my district they got a a site license and so there are all kinds of discounts um, that ESGI provides but they I would check it out if uh Definitely if I was teaching um, kinder or preschool or first grade or even second grade uh, because you can put in your own tests, your own sight words, your anything. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a great program. Yeah, I loved it. So I'd pre-assess and then I would know what kind of lessons I needed to um, – it, it would basically it would drive my, my uh, uh, lesson planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so are we? Are we to Wednesday? I think we're to Wednesday. Yes. Okay. I speed this up. No, I'm well, just. On, I would on, almost said on, comprehension, but comprehension is not Wednesday, right? Wednesday um, is reading strategies. Wednesday was strategies, I believe. Right. Okay. What is our website? Say? I'm I'm looking at your website, and it says Wednesday reading strategy work. Yes, that's right. Reading okay. strategies, right? So actually, on the blog post, there's a poster, um, an icon of several posters, and if you click on that, it will take you to Mrs. Rika's 
um, page on TPT, and she pr provides that those posters for free. Um, and I loved those posters. I had them up in my classroom. I laminated them. I kept them up all year and referred to them. And I put the little beanie babies that matched them mm -hmm. right up next to them. So I had the snake, you know, by Stretchy Snake. And I had the I had the American uh, bald eagle by the eagle eye. Mm -hmm. And I had a dolphin up and a lion and so on, the frog. But basically, um, the kids love it because... They, they relate to the animal, like the chunky monkey, and you teach the children how to chunk parts of a word. So let's say they come to the word for, F-O-R, and they they go, okay, f, and then they make the short O sound and then the R, and it's not working for them. Well, they look for a part of the word they can chunk that might be familiar. Like maybe you've taught them that O-R often makes the sound er or or, and they can try eat both of those. Mm -hmm. um, lips the fish tells your lips to get ready for the initial sound so maybe they don't know what the word is but at least they can start with the initial sound they can always do skippy frog which is skip it for now and come back to it later um, or try to glean the sense of the sentence from the rest of the, the words stretchy snake is stretch the sounds out and then blend them back together again Eagle eye is uh, look for clues in the pictures. Maybe the picture will help you with a context clue. Flippy dolphin is flip the vowel sound. Maybe it was a long sound or maybe it was a short sound. So try both. And try and lion is um, try it and see if it makes sense. Say the word out loud and see if it makes sense to you. And by just saying it out loud, you might... Um, it might give you a clue as to what the word really is. Mm -hmm. So we would do, I would work on a whole strategy and maybe I would read something to them and give them each the same copy of the book and they would follow along with my reading and I would pretend to get stuck on a word and, and use one of those strategies and see if they can help me. Um, and that's how, pretty much how I taught the different strategies. And then once I got through with them all, I would find other strategies or I would repeat these again, you know, mm -hmm. six weeks later, that type of thing. Okay. Yeah. So we're on to Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. Thursday. Um, comprehension. It's one of my most favorite things to teach because, uh, well, as you could tell, I love to talk <laughs> <laughs> and I have to talk about the things I read. Um, <laughs> Basically, it's um, being able to understand uh, what you are reading. I mean, reading, decoding is a completely different uh, skill than comprehending. Mm -hmm. You're using different parts of your brain and you're using different skills. Um, oftentimes, especially if you have English language learners, it's really difficult to retell even part of a story. So I always try to give the children fun ways to retell the story. Mm -hmm. Like we might make um, out of a paper bag, we might make a little cottage for the three bears. And when we open it up, we would glue in the three bowls and the chairs and the beds. Well, there there are their clues for retelling the story. Mm -hmm. So they, it's really easy then for them to retell the story because they've got their clues right there in front of them. Um, I always have the children dig a little deeper with me, look for evidence in the illustrations or in the text that can can help us to understand the story. For instance, uh, how do we know that Papa Bear was really angry when he got home? Well, they can look at the pictures, but also oftentimes the font when Papa Bear is talking is really big and bold. Mm -hmm. 
and they can look at that and say, wow, I could tell he was mad. And he, I think he was yelling, you know. <laughs> um, they might recognize some of the words. Um, I might also ha have like little um, glass uh, frames, you know, for glasses mm -hmm. um, and have them put them on and say, now we're going to look at the story from a different perspective. So what if you were, for instance, the um, for the three little pigs, what if you were retelling the story as the big bad wolf? How would you tell the story? Or maybe you were the doctor of uh, uh, Goldilocks. Maybe you were Goldilocks's doctor and you wanted to tell retell the story. Um, and... Um, oh, another thing we liked to do was make um, a problem and solution book. Mm -hmm. So we got to talking about the three bears once, and the kids told me that, you know, there were lots of problems in that story, you know, the porridge, the chairs, the beds. But I'm like, okay, what was the big problem? The problem that, you know, none of this would have happened if we didn't have the big problem. And basically, they, you know, they said Goldilocks went in the house. <laughs> well, yes, breaking and entering is a big problem. <laughs> the problem. And, but what was the solution? Well, they got rid of they got rid of um, they got rid the of Goldilocks. Goldilocks. <laughs> and I I know I gave them this um, really fun thing to do. I'm like uh, I gave them t two long strips of construction paper um, that were just maybe like three inches by a third of an inch, and then I gave them two short ones. So, but if you put them together, it made a rectangle. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, can you create something with these that showed how the bears solved their problem? And some children made it into a door and said, you know, they kicked her out and told Goldilocks to get out the door. Another child maybe made a window. Another child made a ladder and said she climbed out the window with the <laughs> ladder. And it was so interesting to hear them come up with a different solution. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't unless they comprehended the basic story. Mm -hmm. um, and and then I also like to make a setting envelope, which is just you take a piece of construction paper, a full sheet of construction paper, fold it in half, staple the sides, and it's an envelope. Mm -hmm. um, most stories have at least two settings. Okay, so for instance, um, well, the three bears pretty much only had the one, but um, the gingerbread man starts out in the farmhouse in the kitchen, and then the rest of it's out by the river or across, the, you know, out, outdoors. So we would illustrate the kitchen on one side of the envelope, the river on the back of the envelope, and then we put all the characters inside. And then when they're retelling the story, isn't that great? Uh -huh. I know you could just, um, you know, use your setting envelope. And then you take it all home and you retell it to your parents. Uh -huh. oh. So I love making a manipulative project that you can practice your comprehension with and then Friday's writing yeah and I see some really cute writing samples on your blog um yeah well we love to write and we would I've got lots and lots of templates that we can use throughout the year for writing um one of the ones there that um, you might see is the career writing. What do you want to be when you grow up? So we might have read stories about different careers, and then um, they dress up like what they want to be. I used to have them bring the outfits in, but that got to be more of a hassle. Um, I started collecting so many of them, I just started doing it. Um, that makes a great bulletin board, by the way, for open house. Oh, yeah, that it's would a great be cute. 
Yeah, it's a great page for their memory book too. Um, the flag template is also something that I have on my Teacher Pay Teacher store, where after we read lots of informational text about uh, national symbols, we uh, wrote about which was their favorite. We did an opinion piece, why is it your favorite? Um, I taught them how to use the word because in their writing. Uh, it's a large word to have to remember how to spell. So I taught them a little song. Uh, a lot of teachers use it. Um, it goes like this. <laughs> I'll sing it for you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I know. <laughs> it goes like this. Uh, B-E-C-A-U-S-E, because, because. B-E-C-A-U-S-E, because, because, because. <laughs> and so when they need to use that word, they go to their song. And, and they remember. Um, and then there's lots. Yeah. yeah. So if we were reading about weather, we might write about you know, what do I like to do in rainy weather? Or we're reading about Earth Day. What can I do to care for the Earth? So there's always a writing component that can go along with something that we read. Um, and then at the end of, um, you know, each grading period or even in between, I would reassess using ESGI and then that would drive my lessons. So I would know maybe what strategy I need to work on. And by the way, my homogeneous reading groups um, were fluid. So you might be meeting with these two other children one week, but next week you're not because I just needed to meet with the four children that still needed these last few sight words, mm -hmm. okay? So my groupings are always changing, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I think well, that's going to be really fun. helpful to everybody <laughs> to hear how you set that up. And the it, name of it the hurts. yeah, and the name of the blog post is "Making Guided Reading Work: A Simple Plan," and it's at uh, kfundamentalsblogspot.com. I made a bitly, so you know, after your http colon slash slash, it would be bit.ly slash guided reading post. All one word. All one word. So that would bring you to the post, and then they can you can click on almost everything on that post, and it would take you to the product or the freebie, um, and even to ESGI, um, which mm -hmm. that's ESGI. And there was one other thing that I loved to use besides ESGI, and that was um, these cute little aprons that I would wear to school with pockets, clear pockets in them, five of them. Mm -hmm. So I could build sight words in them. Um, I could, oh, and uh, so many things, um, sequence stories with picture cards. And that apron um, was from uh, showandtellaprons.com. And I don't get anything for telling you about this. <laughs> I just, uh, show and tell aprons is just uh, one of my favorite teaching tools. So it's showandtellaprons.com, and she's got the most adorable aprons for teaching. And with five clear pockets, you could do um, math equations too. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. And I've she's never got seen all those. kinds they of. They sound adorable. They're, they're, yes, and she's got a tutu uh, variety that's made with tool. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so cute. So you should visit that website too because that's. Um, it's another one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really fun. I will have to look at that. I've never heard of that. Showandtellaprons.com. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Is there is there anything else you want to cover? 
Oh, I just, you know, um, K Fundamentals blog, um, the whole premise behind it was to keep the fun in the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a product of um, a school system that I w did not like as a child. I did not like going to school. It was all about sitting and listening when I went to school. Um, and the few times that we didn't have to sit and listen, I can remember them so vividly because uh, that's when the learning really does happen. That's when the magic happens. So the whole thrust behind K fundamentals is how to keep the fun in the fundamentals so that you can teach children and make learning exciting and fun and something that uh, they'll want to do for a lifetime. Well, thank you so much. I, I can totally get behind everything you just said. Oh, <laughs> fabulous. And everybody I want to thank you for this opportunity because this was, um, is, you know, it's far reaching when you mm -hmm. can do a podcast and maybe we'll reach, you know, a child someplace, somewhere across the country or across the globe that will um, have a different fun experience. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's cool. Thank you so much. Well, I, I hope that, that it does reach people because I, I think as far as professional development goes, you don't get a lot of opportunities to professional development with other early childhood people sometimes. So it's, it's nice to be able to share. And thank you for sharing. Thank you so very much. And I just want to let you know that I love this whole idea that you're doing with these podcasts because as an educator, um, definitely this is something I would have tuned into, you know, during my drive to work or my drive home or uh, while I'm putting on makeup and you could be listening mm -hmm. to something and multitasking right. basically. But I mean, it's an efficient way to um, keep developing as an educator, too. Mm -hmm. So I think it's wonderful what you're doing. Oh, well, thank thanks. you. <laughs> and everybody can find you at K Fundamentals, your K Fundamentals on Blogger and Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter and anywhere. The blog is kfundamentals.blogspot.com. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes, and they should leave comments because I definitely answer all comments. Yes, thank you so, so much. Wasn't that a great interview, Mom? That was great. I think she is just such a bundle of energy. She is. She was so fun to talk to and so passionate about fun in the fundamentals. I love her theme. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a student in her classroom. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, we have something to share. If you'd like to share with us, you can email us at kindergartenkiosk at gmail.com. Susan has some advice for us to help us recharge at the end of the day. She says, the best advice I have ever received from a teacher friend, when she got home with her three children at the end of the day, everyone, including her, went to their rooms for 30 minutes to recharge. After that time, everyone had a new attitude for the evening together. Hang in there, the end is near. Thanks for sharing, Susan. We'd like to thank Ben Sound for our music. And if you'd like to visit our website, it's kindergartenkiosk.com. See you, everyone. Goodbye. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators. By educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.
dot com. That's edupodcastnetwork.com. dot com. Now can I listen to it?